2: going on right now? I'm talking with Matt from Exhumed. They have a brand new record called To the Dead out now on Relapse Records. They're going to be playing tonight. If you're listening to this on the day of release, they're going to be playing tonight, November 11th at the substation. Great venue. Got to see them there. uh, I think it was like a few months before the pandemic started with Gate Creeper. And you guys are coming back. Welcome. uh, Welcome back to Seattle. How you doing, dude?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, very excited to have the record out, uh, and you know, have that whole two year stretch in the rear view mirror, more or less, uh, and stoked to be coming back to Seattle, man. It's always a good time up there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it should be uh it should should be a good time.
2: Right on, man. Well, uh okay, so yeah how did the pandemic treat you, man? Like you guys uh you you guys came out with the record, so obviously you guys stayed busy. Like how did you stay sane during that time where <laughs> it's probably the longest time you weren't on the road in your adult life, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um it was it was a bit weird, you know, like we talk about it now, you know, with my my with either my wife or my friends or whatever. And it's like the, the I kind of look back actually quite fondly on the first couple months, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody was working. I was just like I would take. I, I live in California, so yep. and I live like in a kind of a small townish area, so yeah. and with lots of nature. And so I would just take the dog out for three hours on a hike, you mm-hmm. know, and just have fun. And, and you know, we were like cooking every meal together, and that was kind of nice. And then you know, after about two months, it was like okay is this is this is this it yeah <laughs> yeah but we we um we we worked on the the record you know the record's been the Zoom record's been in the can since last summer yeah uh, we started we started recording it last april so that was a big help you know and sort of staying busy and giving us something to focus on mm-hmm. we did like a an internet show yeah. um with exhumed we did um we did a couple of like live streams where I, I I got some like independent horror movies and played some music videos and, you know, did that on our YouTube channel. Yeah. And, and uh, I wrote a bunch of music, not necessarily for Exhumed, but uh-huh. also for Exhumed. And, um, you know, and then I was able to work, you know, pretty, pretty consistently, which I was very grateful for. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've really, all in all, I, I really don't have a lot to complain about. There was some uncertainty. There was some isolation. But, you know, being in a state where you could be outside year-round, yeah. it didn't take long for people to figure out how to, you know, how to do things safe and outside where you could still go and, you know, see people from across a table or whatever and, like, have a beer somewhere and stuff. So it was, you know, it was weird. I'm mm-hmm. glad it's over. Um, I'm glad. We're, the main thing is I'm just glad we're able to, to tour – at will and you know hopefully this is a once every hundred year kind of thing just like with the spanish flu right shit in 1919 and uh and I've, I've done my my time and i'm good hopefully
2: hopefully <laughs> right yeah knock on wood man so right that is one thing consistently you know i've i've uh you know interviewed so many bands and and so many bands at the level of like success but like an underground level there's always seems to be whether you have like a normal day job or a side hustle or something like what what do you do that's the like non-metal thing if you don't mind Um, talking about it
1: no not at all i've been i've been working for a company called uh barlini electronics that that makes uh primarily jazz bass pickups it's like our specialty but we do Guitar and bass pickups, all electronics, uh, oh, wow. preamps. Um, we make like a really good cello preamp. I will say, like I've been sort of dwindling, you know, as things have resumed, and I'm now kind of just like a independent side contractor for them. Okay, um, which has been really nice and even more flexible. Yeah. you know, I'm also in a little bit different position in that that I play in multiple bands. Yeah, so I'm able to sort of cobble together some kind of, you know. Acceptable living where sure. my wife doesn't kick me out of the house. Yeah, level of success.
2: <laughs> I hear you, man. You know. <laughs> I'm I'm sort of actually in the similar like lane as far as my day job. I'm actually I took a break to do this interview from my day job. I work in a company that makes harps and hammer dulcimers.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, so I handle so the shipping cool. for them. So it's not exactly metal world, but at least it's music related and and right. it's a good company. So
1: I They're, mean, the harps are. I mean, they're a fantastic instrument. Hammer dulcimers are really specific. Yeah, they're beautiful, but they're really specific. But a harp, I mean, come on, the harps are tight.
2: Right? Yeah, and I mean, it's a it's a niche, but we're the best of the niche. That's why I tell people. They're like, "Is there really is that a viability like career?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, we've remained strong, and so you know, I don't know. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Have you noticed anything different? You know, since. You know, so you were guys were out on the road, and then the pandemic hits, and then you're you've done some touring on the way. I I actually saw you last year, I believe it was with Bewitcher. Um, oh, in El Corazon, yeah, yeah, at El yeah. Corazon. So, have you guys noticed a difference in like, you know, it, are are uh, you know, are people more apprehensive to come out? Is there a lot more exuberance to come out? Have you noticed any difference a post pandemic or quote unquote post pandemic?
1: I mean, I guess, you know, really, I'm assuming this tour is just going to be like a regular tour, but, you know, it's just started. So, um, but the tour that we did last year, um, you know, people were really exuberant uh, and it was a great time to tour because, you know, right now there's, you know, ever since basically the end of summer, how many big tours have there been Mm -hmm. like there's. Because everybody's been chomping at the bit to yep. get back out. So there's so much competition and it's you know, it's gone from famine to feast. Yep. You know, embarrassment and embarrassment of riches. Right. And so but also, you know, with the inflation and everything, it's tough for, for kids to allocate and when I say kids, I just mean concert dealers. Yeah. I, re- I recognize a lot of our audience are far from kids anymore, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just that it's tough to allocate the money that yeah. you know when it's like Merciful fade display, and that was like 150 bucks. That yep. was crazy. Yep. You know, so it's kind of, um, you know, we 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 delayed the tour a little bit, which is to be less pre- pleasant for us being out in December. Yeah. You know, in terms of the elements, but trying to let some of that competition thin out a little bit, sure. so we can, so that hopefully more people that want to come will be, you know, we'll have less reasons to to not, come, you know, um. But really, it, and it just it as far as the apprehension, it really depended and it was very predictable as far as where it depended, you know, it was really tied up in sort of regional uh, perception of politics versus public health. Yeah. And, you know, we, we sort of avoided going places like, you know, Florida, Georgia, uh, any, any place, you know, <laughs> we the Mason Dixon line because we just felt that there was going to be such a likelihood of people that weren't vaccinated uh-huh. that, could get somebody sick and cause the tour to lose dates, you know? Um, and, you know, I think really we lucked out, but you know, hopefully that helps. Hopefully that made it easier to luck out. Cause nobody, we just got regular tour sick. You yes. know, uh, Nobody actually got COVID.
2: So. <laughs> Wait, man, that's great. Uh, So, one thing that I wanted to kind of mention, I've interviewed you in the past, but I don't think I've actually asked about this. So, something that I love is I'm a huge fan of Eric Andre. You guys did. You guys have like this now viral like moment where you guys got to play with the Supremes uh, on the Eric Andre show. Take me back to that day and how did that come about and what was that experience like?
1: Uh, Well, um, basically, Eric Andre wanted uh, he wanted a pig destroyer and they okay, couldn't do it sure. because of logistics. Yeah. So like many things that have happened to me in the, the course of my quote, unquote career yeah. doing this, it was just like, well, I guess, Hey man, I, I'm not you know too proud to take second pick. And so um, I just said, yes. And then I started talking to the band. I was like, are you going to be here? Are you going to be, here? and a bunch of people were not there. So we had like our, old drummer that played with us a few years back sure. playing drums yeah um and, and it was just sort of a ramshackle thing i just felt like tv you know how often does a band like us get a chance to be yeah. on tv like never so we kind of you know figured out how to make it happen and then we went down there and um <laughs> actually the the day that we were there you know the I've never been a, you know, it's the first and last time we've done a TV thing. And I've never been in a television green room. Usually we're at like a club, you know, where they're like, well, you know, we don't want to give you everything on your rider because it's a lot of money. (laughs) And here we went in there and it was just like, oh my God, there's like infinite food and drink. And um, we proceeded to, uh, you know, view that as a challenge. And our bass player, our old bass player, Um, I don't think I'm throwing him under the bus because he would probably freely admit it and not care, but he was just obnoxiously trashed. And like, he was just wandering around the building and like, you know, that's actually, that show is what caused him to get fired from the band. Um, So the day itself was not super fun because I spent a lot of it wrangling him. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Eric and Hannibal were lovely, even though we were complete heads like just you know because uh, you know he was drunk so i was trying to deal with that so Mm. i ended up getting drunk as well and it was just you know beyond the normal realm of like hey we're a fun rock band party i was like (laughs) oh um and they were very gracious and really nice to us despite the fact that we probably did not deserve it sure um and we got through the performance and so i went back and i called mike our, our drummer like the next day and i was like dude so, yeah, like, Rob's not going to be our player anymore because, like, you don't know what I just endured and how <laughs> humiliating it was. And so, yeah, so it was a very bittersweet thing. But at the yeah. end of the day, Eric Andre is hilarious, and we got to be on TV, which I never in a million years even contemplated as a possibility. So, uh, you know, I, I guess... It, it, For me personally, it was like a very frustrating experience, but it's a great sort of feather in the cap and it's, you know, hopefully a humorous story. I I can laugh about it now for like a couple of years after I was just like, oh God, don't mention that horrible day. Now I'm just like, "Ah,
0: I'm glad I didn't
2: bring it up right after you would have been like triggered (laughs) and just like, no. This interview is over, sir.
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't have taken that on you. I just would have been like, please, like any. Let's talk about anything else.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's fitting that you guys played because like someone described it, and I thought it was so perfect. They described Eric Andre's style as the grindcore of comedy.
1: Yes, short bursts that sort of leave you going like, huh? Yeah.
2: What? Totally, absolutely, <laughs> man. And, uh, dude, insane. So that it's also kind of funny because there's that that that. You know, fable that well, for, for Ace Ventura, Cannibal Corpse wasn't the first pick. It was like Napalm Death or whatever, and they weren't available. And so Cannibal Corpse got it. And so it's like, hey, a- along those lines, you know, you might not have been dude, the first pick, but you you got that minute, dude.
1: But right, but we're the ones that did it. I mean, it's like, you know, honestly, that's how I got the death to all gig was Stefan from Obscura couldn't do it and that's then led to gruesome and left to die and all this shit and that's how I ended up getting the uh, being in repulsion as well
2: yes just don't say no just sure let's do it let's go yeah always say yes yes uh, awesome. Man. Okay. So, so I'm curious about, you know, you were mentioning so some of your, uh, some of the obscure horror films that you did kind of on a stream. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely throwing this out there, you know, just like throwing it out there. No, no uh, preparation for this question, but <laughs> what are, what are your favorite, some of your favorite horror films? Um,
1: I, I got them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one back. yeah. That's, that's one of the things.
2: Sorry. Um, it's all good. Uh,
1: you know, a lot of the, the horror stuff, I, I always feel kind of bad because I feel like I've, I've given the same answer mm-hmm. in my, for like decades. And I'm like, I probably should be watching more new movies so that I can change <laughs> the answer. But, um, you know, I love like all the, the Fulci and Argento stuff in the mm-hmm. early eighties, late seventies, um, you know, Suspiria, city of the living dead, uh, the beyond, uh, Zombie Two, of course the Romero, you know Day, Dawn, Night, yeah, um, you know all the um, the the first couple of Texas Chainsaws, the first couple of Evil Dads, um, Reanimator from Beyond, Hellraiser One and Two, you know all these things that really um, you know were kind of formative as as a a young Turk yeah (laughs) um and you know a lot of the a lot of that really informs you know the band and the Mm -hmm. show and the album covers and the shirts and everything else like that sensibility has kind of remained the whole time yeah and um you know i still and i do it's not that i don't watch any newer movies i do sometimes but um they just have a different vibe, you know, even the ones totally. that I think that they're, they're quite good. Um, they just have a different vibe. I mean I also like artsy stuff like Eraser Head yeah. or like Begotten and stuff like that. Um you know, um, but really it's just a sort of uh you know, kind of <laughs> those schlocky seventies, eighties really gory yeah. movies with, you know, maximum dismemberment and cannibalism and all that good stuff, you know.
2: Have you had a chance to watch uh Barbarian yet?
1: I did watch *Barbarian*. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really cool. And, you know, it was just enough of a sort of misdirection yep, to like really exactly. work. Yep. Um, even though you're like, well, clearly it can't be that easy, but you like, end up getting surprised anyway. And,
2: totally.
1: and it was just a fun movie with good pacing and, yep. and you know, it was some good scares and it was just, it was cool. Um, I'd heard people talking about it and then I saw it on HBO max. And I was like, all right, let's go. So, yeah. Yeah. Why not? I got beer in the house. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs>
2: So you guys uh, are, you know, just around the time that I saw you last time in 2019 or the last time at substation was right around Thanksgiving as well. Um, <laughs> how do you guys celebrate, you know, if you guys are out during Christmas or, or Thanksgiving or something, do you guys take a day off and just like, you know, go get some fast food? Or how do you guys celebrate a holiday on the road? exhum style.
1: Um, well, for Thanksgiving, you know, it just depends for where you are regionally in the country. Um, our, our go-to just due to geographical necessity has been a uh, cracker barrel. Okay. Because it's uh, that good, you know, good old down home basic ass American yep. bull food. Yeah. Um uh, this year we're gonna be between Pittsburgh and, and Boston. Okay. So I'm not sure exactly where we go. But you know we will definitely Market. take time. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> right. we're gonna go someplace where you can like, you know, sit down. Sure. You know, and it's just like a little, you know, it's like a Friendsgiving or whatever. And, you know, we'll just spring for a big meal. We did actually on that tour with with Gatekeeper and Necrot. Uh-huh. It's probably the best tour Thanksgiving we ever did. Um, Necrot's uh, driver and merch guy was a, a cook. Oh, cool. And, and he's an Italian dude like, like Luca. Yeah. So we rented, we rented an Airbnb and both bands stayed there. And we, you know, dropped, you know, a few hundred bucks at the grocery store. And we just had a feast that's awesome and it was great because you know with someone to cook they're like oh no no i'll do it and i was like yeah i'm gonna just you know watch football that i don't care about it and, and drink beer and, and eat amazing food and that's was, so cool it was great and that, that, that was that was the peak
2: that's awesome man dude you can't beat that man that and and that gives you like that like day of just like relaxation and then you just go back out and hit the road dude that's dope gotcha.
1: Everybody, you know, you, you hopefully you have enough time to like, you know, fart out the giant dinner and get rid of the hangover, and then you know, then you go play a rock show. It'll be limber the next day. Totally.
2: So, so I have a, I have a totally out there question. So recently, there's this band Turnstile. They, I just saw them pick up a Taco Bell commercial. So Turnstile song on a Taco Bell commercial. Somehow it's fitting. If you guys had your choice of any kind of product or brand that would fit well with Exhumed, what would you want an Exhumed song to represent? I
1: mean, probably like, you know, Steel Chainsaws, I guess would be the, the, the no brainer. Okay. Um, <laughs> either that or like Miller Lite or like, or <laughs> you know, but I, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that kind of stuff, you know, on the one hand, you know, uh, obviously getting your music out in front of people is good and getting paid for playing music is good. But on the other hand, you know, a business like Taco Bell, like, I remember there was like a, a they had like a program a few years ago that our old booking agent told me anybody, he's like, yeah, if you sign up and like, you know, I forget what you had to do. It was like some sort of social media thing and mm-hmm. get like X amount of Taco Bell for free a year on tour. Yeah. And, this and, that. and I was like, I'm not going to like, I'm not gonna promote about their social media. Like I'm not. That's like sleazy. Yeah. You know. Um and like even now like relapse, you know, was like, oh we had this graphic for like the chart information on the new record. And I was like, I mean, I guess that's cool, but I didn't really it makes some... I, I posted it, but it made me feel uncomfortable. It's like this is not what we're about, like yeah. bragging about being on the billboard or whatever. Like that's like, this has nothing to do with death metal. Um, yeah. It has nothing to do with why we do this. That said, I mean, I'm really super grateful for the support of the people that bought the record. And that is totally worth celebrating. But turning it into like a number thing and a billboard thing to me is like, oh, I don't know, man. That's just a little uncomfortable. But I did it anyway. But yeah, talk about is a bridge too far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the chainsaws, man, once those Even, come rolling, who knows? Right,
1: right. That, that, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Something I really believe in.
2: So I mean, like that's that's one thing is like with with our like constant like evolving or not evolving but like maybe even devolving constant just like everyone just like attention right. span that constantly like everyone needs to refresh their social media etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, you know and bands need to quote post content and all this stuff uh, do you ever just right. get do you ever just get like overwhelmed and you're like nah just just shut it down I'm just gonna. <laughs> walk away from this for a while. Do you ever get just overwhelmed by all that stuff?
1: I mean, I think what I've found is as I've become more diligent about using social media as a thing for the band and a way to, you know, obviously market to our fans, not to be gross, but, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. But also but also to just, you know, engage. I mean, if somebody makes a meme about the band or whatever, like, I always enjoy sharing that. Sure. Or just, like, here's a picture of us rehearsing. Like, look, we're rehearsing. We're doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, doing trying to be... On top of that, it has made me just completely lose interest in using social media, like, for personal purposes. Sure. Um, you know, also, like, I mean, I'm, I'm married, so it's like, I don't know. That, that that takes away, like, 50% of the potential usefulness. Yeah, you're
2: of not going to be hollering at girls in their DMs,
1: you know? Right, you know, so it's like, you know, every once in a while, I feel like, oh, I missed, like, a message from a friend, or I missed something that was really funny, or... Mm-hmm whatever, but it's like, I really just like beyond maybe like, wow, I've just like stopped using it recreationally. Um, and you know, it's a great tool and I understand that, you know, that's the nature of of what it is, but just living in that sort of promotional headspace, um, is I find exhausting Mm -hmm. and it's, it's also really interesting to me because you know, so much of marketing art before social media and everything else is that, the person becomes the brand. Yep. The artist becomes the brand. You know, like the, the stories about Motley Crue are arguably, you know, more interesting than the music of Motley Crue. Yep. But the stories about Motley Crue is what makes people buy the music, which is what makes them be able to yep. do the stupid bullshit that makes the stories and so on and so forth. And much I like inter- black metal,
2: like early black no, metal, you know? Absolutely.
1: I mean, and the thing is, now that we've right. entered the age, Of social media, everybody is sort of creating their own brand all the time by choosing, or now people would say curating, by choosing what pictures of themselves they're gonna post, by choosing what experiences they choose to share with others. And then I think, you know, obviously we all do that, you know, social media notwithstanding. You know, I don't meet somebody for the first time until, you know, about a time I piss my pants and get so drunk. (laughs) Um, I don't lead with that. But the thing is that, Now that you're sort of, you're turning it into a numbers game of how many likes, how many shares, how many comments, and a corporation is profiting off you marketing yourself as a brand, you know, we've moved into like a new and sort of more dystopian era of capitalism where every single person, every human being is a product that is being constantly monetized. Um. Not just for the products that they buy, like food, electricity, you know, whatever, but just for their their life experience as yeah. a commodity that a corporation so is like profiting old- on and it. it's very it's very creepy, you know?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean this interview right here, it's gonna go up online and it's click the right. link in bio to listen. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it's, I I, like in a lot of ways, it's a natural outgrowth of of the way human interaction has always been. But just the fact that somebody has commoditized, or I don't know if that's a word, has monetized human interaction. They're like, hey, you have friends. How can I get in the middle of that and make money? Because that's really what business is. They're like, this is the thing people are doing. I'm going to put myself in the middle of it. And then they're
2: going to pay me. Yeah. Tom from MySpace had the right idea. He cashed out and he goes traveling. So, he's good for him, like, man. Get out of here, yeah. So everyone's original friend, Tom from MySpace. <laughs> oh, no, Tom! I I have to imagine
1: that there's gonna be like a biopic or a documentary about him, like you know, in the next few years. Like, where is he now? What's he doing? You know, blah blah blah.
2: Yeah, man. He got the bag, and I am pretty sure he just travels. Like, he's just he's just over it, and I don't think he does social media, which. Is, is is something, it says something in and of itself, you know? So. Right,
1: right. And that is a very important thing to look at, The people creating these technologies, like, look at how they feel about them by what they do and mm-hmm. what they allow their kids to do and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know, man. I do like scrolling through Instagram and, like, seeing pictures of, you know, cool records and, like, yep. cool comics and stuff. Like, it's like I said, in a time of defecation, it's a good way to pass that time.
2: But you got to disconnect a little bit of yourself, exactly. So yes, totally, man. Um, so you know, I'm not going to take up your whole time. You're on the road. Uh, tonight, you're going to be playing uh, at Substation. Killer lineup. Uh, Holder could not make the tour work, but Escuela Grind is going to be playing, which is freaking awesome. Uh, love I that agree. And- we're very,
1: we're very excited about adding to the tour. They deserve a huge amount of credit for stepping up at that. You know, at eleven fifty nine <laughs> and getting in there and you know, just putting on their big boy pants and doing the whole tour. Because it's a five week tour. So And they're just uh, like, Let's go. Yep. I give them a lot of a lot of props. That's awesome, man.
2: So uh my last question for you, dude. Uh pick a scar on your body and tell me the story of how you got the scar.
1: Um <laughs> uh, let's see. Um I mean, not that I have so many, but I guess um, I have this w- weird little, like, like kind of crescent moon scar on my middle finger knuckle on my right hand.
2: Okay.
1: And um, I was standing outside uh, an old venue that's long since shut down, uh-huh. uh, the, called the Berkeley Square uh, in Berkeley, California, and I want to say '94, wow. maybe. Okay. And it might have been '95. It was '94, '95. I was waiting to see Incantation, Grave, and maybe Broken Hope.
2: Whoa. I think. That's a killer lineup.
1: Um and they had this they had this like neon sign with a big like sheet of really thick glass Uh outside it. And I was standing there talking to a friend of mine. I don't know, I'm not sure what we're talking about, probably whatever death metal opinions we had in (laughs) 1994, 95. And I was just sort of waving my hands nonchalantly, like, you know, kind of enthusiastic. Probably at that time, I was drinking like, you know, Old English 800 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just managed to sort of swing my hand right by the corner of this glass plate in front of this neon sign. And it just, I, it didn't even hurt. And all of a sudden, like, I was just bleeding like crazy. Damn. like just really, really bleeding a lot out of my hand. And I was like, how can it cut that I didn't even feel? didn't hurt. It's not even deep. And I was just standing there like I had to, you know, like my buddy, I think, had to go across the street to Walgreens or down the street to a Walgreens or something and get, like, a roll of, you know, paper towels and, like, a Damn. bandage, and it turned into this whole thing. Anyway, you know, it didn't ruin the night, but it just was like, that's more memorable than the show at this point in time, because it was so random.
2: Damn, dude, that's brutal. And,
1: and I didn't get it by, like, punching anybody no. or doing anything cool. It was just, you know, being a dumb, clumsy idiot.
2: 1994 death metal opinions. You were probably either talking about how the new cannibal corpse vocalist is never going to make it or or, uh, (laughs) at the gates or just a flash in the pan. They're never going to have a hit album.
1: (laughs) Um. At the the gates. I would never have said that about, but (laughs) cannibal corpse, a hundred percent. I was like the guy from monstrosity. Come on. it's Whatever,
2: dude, never going to last.
1: (laughs) And I've been proven. So wrong because they've gone on to even surpass the early records. Totally, and George is such clearly the better, the better singer. Yes. Uh, but yes, you know, I, I think back about some of the things I thought, and <laughs> yeah, very, very wrong. I would never have made it as a pundit, although I guess you, you don't have to be wrong; you just have to sound smart. Exactly. So maybe I, w- maybe I would have been the best pundit.
2: There you go, <laughs> dude. Thank you so much for taking the time, man, and uh, we'll see you tonight at the substation, man.